Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And if you look, uh, you can tell we kind of got a, another companion here at the table today. Uh, obviously, right here is Pastor Alex Hill, uh, my associate director here. And today we got uh, Pastor Thomas Derrick, who um, many folks know as the, uh, one of the directors of Raven Gulf Coast out of New Orleans. And Pastor Thomas has worked with us for, uh, what, 15 years, brother? Something like Something that. Something like yeah. that. So he's a... He's a, he's a regular at, at the table, so to speak, as we come. But it's good to have Pastor Thomas here with us this morning and breaking open the Word of God. i tell you what, folks. Happy uh, Independence Day for those that are watching live. If you're watching or listening to this through one of our uh, uh, downloads or MP3 or on your iPod, uh, this is right here on July 4th in 2007 where this Word is coming forth. But we just want to... Uh, Wish everybody a happy uh, Independence Day. Hope you have a safe uh, holiday today with your family or whatever else is on your schedule today. Have a great time in Jesus. And so we're going to get into the Word and we're going to get some freedom because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. Amen. And there is no freedom apart from a, really a knowledge of the Word of God. And so, folks, as we come together, we sit down at these classes. And, and if you're checking in with us, you're listening for the first time. Once again, I'm Pastor Troy Bond, the Director of Raven Ministries International. And what we've done is on a Monday through Friday basis, five times a week, we're offering our Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies live on the Internet and also for free download from our website, which is www.raveninstitute.blogspot.com. And what we'll do on that one is we'll offer the whole chapter each time it comes out. If you want the daily teaching, you can go to Raven. Uh, outreach.blogspot.com and get those. Brother Steve Ignowski of Lifeline Ministries out of Indiana is making those available to us. But we're here just breaking open the Word of God. You know, the, the Word tells us when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Right. It makes us free. Right. And so there's a freedom that comes in, in, through the Word of God. You know, we can talk about, we can argue in court about civil liberties and the freedoms that, that we have in this country. But at the end of the day, guys, there's only one freedom. And that's a freedom that we know and understand through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and a life given and consecrated unto Him. Amen. It, the, the, the freedom may not be externalized, you know, because there's many uh, Chinese believers, for instance, that have been locked up in prison for preaching their, their faith in communist China. But they're free. Amen. They'll tell you that they're free. And so it's a freedom that transcends the natural. It's a freedom that, that transcends what we can behold with our eyes or, or hold with our hands. It's, it's a freedom that is, that, is, that is eternal freedom. And so when we come in the mornings and we begin to bring this teaching, what we want to do is, is teach a freedom that, that is beyond your circumstance. Yeah. And so there is the victory. The Word says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so this is a really a faith-building type of freedom that we're trying to bring to you and just to see the Word of God being poured out in people's lives. So that's why we come here today and uh, we're just going to believe in that God's going to give some things. We're going to be in Romans chapter 325, continuing there. And Pastor Alex, why don't you just open us uh, with a freedom prayer brother, this morning. A freedom prayer. Amen. Father, we just thank you, God that you are the Lord God. And Father, we just realized, Jesus, that without you, God, we would have never, ever had the opportunity to be free and that you would send your only Son. And Jesus, we are so thankful this morning that no one took your life, that you freely gave your life, that you laid your life down for us and that you came to die for us, yet we were sinners, God. Though yet we were in our own ways, God, when we did not know you, when we did not love you, when we did not praise you, God, you came and died for us and showed us the perfect example. Now, God, we take that word, that freedom that you give. We have freely received it. Now we freely give, Lord God, to those 
who have not heard about you, God, and those who have heard but have been backslidden, and those who have found themselves caught in places and churches who have not been hearing the truth of the doctrine of the gospel, Lord. We pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, and you would give us understanding, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is the power of God. Father, we pray for that power this morning, for that revelation this morning, to reveal your word to those, God, who are sitting and listening to the sound of my voice right now or later on a, on a recorded message, God, I pray that there would be freedom that would come in their own lives, that there would be any bondage or any sickness or any, any demonic force or any lie of the devil or any pride or bitterness, God. Father, I pray that you would set them free even now as we go through the Word of God. I pray for faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So as the Word of God is being shared this morning, Allow it to rise faith in us that we may believe and accomplish the mission that has been set before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Folks, just like I said, we're going to be tackling. We started, Pastor, yesterday with uh, uh, Romans 3.25. And uh, I, I said it'd probably be a few days as we get through. As a matter of fact, we'll Is probably be... 25 or 24? Uh, I think it's 4. In 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Uh, yes, right. And so uh, we're going to be tackling verse 25, and probably today and probably tomorrow we'll go into that and probably uh, move on to the next verse on Friday. But uh, there, there's so much to it. You know, the thing about it is, with the Word of God, it is so, it is so deep. It, and when I mean deep, I don't mean hard to understand at all. And so I want to make that clear to folks. People think sometimes when you say deep, it means difficult to understand. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. When I say deep, I mean there's just so much it has to offer. Amen. Because once we get into that thing, we, people say, well, that's just too deep for you. No, it's not too deep for us. Because we've got the one, that, the Spirit that leads and guides us into all truth. And so He's able to take us to, to, to depths that, are, that, are, that we're not able to ascertain on our own strength, our own wisdom. And so it's, it's not difficult to understand because He's leading and guiding us into all truth when we put on the mind of Christ. Amen. And so, but there's a depth to it that, that we talked about in the past about the unsearchable riches of Christ yeah. Jesus. And so just when you think you've got it all figured out, Amen. what you find out is that you don't have it all figured out. You don't know Folks, I have been a student of the Word of God for years and years and years and years. Literally from the time I was in my teens, I would find myself just searching out scriptures and studying the Word of God. And still yet, I feel like I know nothing at all. The, the, the more I study out the Word of God, the deeper it gets and the more that it has to offer. And something that I may have looked at and passed over uh, 20 years ago, I'm thinking to myself, where was that hiding within those words? Amen. But that's just the way this, the, the Word of God is because the Word is a living Word. It's just not some uh, uh, empty words, that, that some philosophies of men uh, just printed on a, on a page. But what it is, it's that, that, it's that, that theonoustos, it's that God-breathed. He said all Scripture is given of inspiration of God, that it's God-breathed. And so it's the breath of God. And as you inhale the breath of God, so yes. to speak, through studying the Word, Man, it's just you're just deep, breathing deeper and deeper and deeper. Amen. It's kind of like standing up on a mountaintop. And you're getting excited this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It is, it, but it is. It's like standing on a mountaintop and you just, woo, just deep, breathing deep that, that nice that nice mountain air. And so that's what the Word of God is. And so when we come into a verse like this, and you know these things, especially the subject matter that we're talking about oh, with, yeah. in, in regards to the propitiation, this is always something that's been so, uh, you know, 
tender on my heart. I just love the, the talking about the, what propitiation means. And we throw a word out like that, and you can throw it out to a common Christian, and you're like, propitiation? You know, what is that? You know, they've probably heard it said once or twice if they've been around anyone with a King James Bible. But uh, other than that, they're like, man, propitiation. I could probably take a guess at it, but I really don't know what it is. But we, we've got into this, and, and what we, we launched out on, uh, on yesterday's program it says who God has set forth. And it's talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about, we prefaced all this when in verse uh, 23 and 24 really was, was the kind of the thing that has propelled us into this point. For all of sin had come short of the glory of God. We know that. That's the problem. Then he offered the solution. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Then we get into some really some detailed things about what it has to offer. Folks, you know, listen, I believe that God is bringing us so many details that there's no crack for anything to fall through. Wow. That there is an answer. When he tells us that there is no temptation that comes upon you, but that which is common to all men, that with every temptation he provides a way of escape, he means every temptation. He means every situation. He means every confrontation. Whatever you're confronted with, he provides a way of escape. And the way he provides a way of escape is through that word of truth. And so he provides us a word Amen. of truth that gives that. And so when we drop into a verse, like verse 25, and which he set forth, and we talked about that, that is putting it out there. Paul the Apostle said, nothing that we've done has ever been done in a corner. Right. That when Jesus was born, it was out there. It was in a public place. When, when Jesus lived, he, was, he lived in a public place. He wasn't hidden away in some monastery somewhere and said, okay, he's going to arrive someday. When he was crucified, he was crucified uh, in, in public, on a public uh, 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 hill, on a public uh, dump yard. I mean, he was crucified publicly. When he was resurrected, it was witnessed publicly. So everything that he's done has been publicly. So when, when he says that God has set forth publicly to be that propitiation, there's, there's a lot of power into those type of things. But one of the things we, we brought up the other day was... Uh, was the, the whole aspect of propitiation. And it, it really takes us back to the Old uh, Testament tabernacle. And, and, and really because what it stands for, and it's, that it's the atonement. That He's become our atonement, and specifically it's mercy seat in the New yeah. Testament. And so not only has He just become that atonement, which speaks of the, the completeness of, the, of what Christ mm. Jesus did upon the cross and what He offered, but He specifically become the mercy seat. And so when he uses a word like propitiation, it's really drawing the imagery from the Old Covenant. Mm. It's drawing that imagery of that type and shadow of what the, when the cross was exposed or the cross was revealed to the children of Israel, who we've talked about many times. They were the ones that were called out to be the special forces. Yeah. The plan of God for them was to equip them to take the, the redemptive message to the world. They failed, obviously, when they rejected Christ Jesus. And so that responsibility has been handed over to the Gentiles, and we've, we've had that, that privilege for 2,000 years. Unfortunately, we haven't done a great job with it, and we've kind of did the exact same thing they've done. We've, right. we've, we've turned it into a form of godliness that denied the power. But, boy, we're, 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 we're adamant about seeing things change. Amen. You know, if we've got to be like a voice crying in the wilderness and saying, make uh, straight your paths, we're willing to do that. And we talked about, yeah. behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the, the sins of the world. We're willing to go and do those type of things. But, uh, but he established that, that tabernacle in, in the wilderness to, to, to bring us to that place. But, but one of the things we brought up yesterday, which is worth repeating, is out of Proverbs 15.8 is where he said the sacrifice of the wicked is right. an abomination unto the Lord but the, the prayer of the upright is his delight 
If we're coming to that place of propitiation, we've, we've got to come with the right heart. We've got to come with the right understanding. We've got to come to that right place. Then what he said in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, he said, when you come before me, he said, who's asked these things of you? He said, you, you're trampling on my courts. He said, stop bringing meaningless offerings. He said, your incense is detestable to me. Now, brother, he wasn't talking about some pagan people. He was talking about the children of Israel who had been given these great truths, who had been given a law unlike any other law. They had been set apart from all the people. He said, I'm going to make a people of you. And, and he said, you're, he said you're, it's become detestable to me. He said, I cannot even bear your evil assemblies any longer. He said, your festivals, your appointed feasts. He said, my soul hates. He said, they'll become a burden to me. He said, I am weary of bearing them. He said, when you spread out your hands in prayer, he said, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. He said, wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong and learn to do right. Mm -hmm. Seek justice. And he gave that. We talked about this. Right. Encourage the oppressed. That is the great commission of the New Testament, to encourage the oppressed. Let us not, he said, uh, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come now, come on, let us reason together, says the Lord. And though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be uh, white as snow. Though they be as crimson, they shall be like wool. And so what he's feeling, it breaks it down pretty good, doesn't it? You have the benefit of being on this. So if you didn't hear that teaching yesterday that really brought this stuff out, you can go to the website and download that in MP3 format or burn it to a disc or whatever. But folks, that's literally what it's become. But he's given us such a great propitiation, an atonement and a mercy seat. Amen. But just like the Jews took that, that great covenant and they turned it into something that turned basically into just all these vain oblations. It's just right. this, uh, this obligatory prayers and, and, and saying, you know, and I love this part, you know, he said, when, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I'll hide my eyes, even if you offer many prayers. And we've talked about this, there's this, this, this great push towards these 24-hour prayer centers. I believe in prayer, pray without ceasing. I, right. I know what First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. But I don't believe that he meant for a minute, let's just all assemble together and just, and just pray and pray and pray and never do anything. Right. You know, for me, brother, prayer is a, is a daily, continual conversation with him. Period. When I'm driving down the road, I'm listening to him. And so prayer for me is, is more about listening to what he has to say right. than expecting him to hear what I've got to say. He already knows what I'm thinking. He says he, he knows what I have need of even before I say those things. And so do I ask him things? Absolutely. I offer petitions to him. I pray for the sick and I inquire of the Lord and I ask him for wisdom and all those things. But mainly, my prayer is like this. Listening. His sheep know his voice and another they will not follow. Right. God, speak right. to me. Don't let me listen to the, to, the, to the words of men, but Lord God, let me, I want to hear the voice of, of truth. Yeah. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear it when you speak. And, and I want my ear to be inclined uh, to you as you begin to incline your voice unto me. Yeah. And so we, we got into this realm, into this era of all these things that Isaiah chapter 1 speaks about. And so that's going to bring us to this place. And we, so we talked about yesterday about the mercy seat. And that mercy seat was that place upon the top of the ark and the ark of the covenant. And one of the key things was, because the, because of the fact that the mercy seat was set up on the Ark of the Covenant, right. Ark of the Covenant being the, that, 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 that box that, that housed the, the tablets of the law, right. the Ten Commandments, Aaron's bod, uh, a rod that budded, and the, the golden bowl of manna mm -hmm. in, in the wilderness. And it was, it was, a, it was a, a box that was overlaid with acacia wood. Uh, it was a acacia wood box overlaid with gold, which right. was a type of Christ. Right. Describing his humanity and his, and, his, and his deity at the right. same time. But the mercy seat 
set on top of that and it provided a place. It was the type of the cross for us. And so, but because the mercy seat was in the tabernacle, it provided, it was called the place of meeting. And so, without the mercy seat, you cannot meet with God. Right. Without a, the cross of Calvary, folks, you cannot meet with God. Without understanding and recognizing that the cross is the, the only means, it's the only bridge that's going to bring you to, 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 to reconciliation to the Father, Amen. there is no meeting place. Yes. There is no covenant apart from a cross. That you've got to have the cross and you've got to have, walk in faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. It's not by our works of righteousness. It's not by your, 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 your uh, association with, or a, a religious affiliation with any particular group. It is having faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary and believing with, that when He said it is finished, that it was finished, Amen. and the, the work of redemption was accomplished on there, that, that my faith has got to be in that. Yes. And, and nothing else. Nothing else. Not my doing good, not with my uh, obligatory prayers or anything else, but in standing fast in the faith that Jesus Christ accomplished the work on the cross. Yes. And it said in Exodus 25, 21 through 22, and I'll read this again. He says, You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I will meet with you. Where? There. There at the mercy seat. Right. There at the cross I'll meet with you. Amen. And I will speak to you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in the commandment of the children of Israel. Folks, like I said, that the, the mercy seat is a type of the cross and a type of Christ. So you can write that down. That was out of Exodus 25, 21 through 22. 25, 21, and 22. Folks, listen. The mercy seat, and you've got to get this. The mercy seat protected man from the judgment of God. Uh, because if you look at the mercy seat, it said that there was two uh, uh, cherubims on each side that were yeah. beaten out of pure gold. And what they represented was the judgment of God. And if you look at the, the book of the Revelation, the 19th chapter, even in the first and second chapters, you'll see that there's always these cherubim, these, 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 these warring angels that are, mm. that are present there. And so when you think of cherubim, don't think of that little baby with the little wings and a bow and arrow in his hand. You know, we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about angelic creatures that were created to do warfare. That's wow. what they're for. They're, 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 they're worshipers, but they're warriors at the same time. Wow. And so when you see those things, they were a type of that, but they were on either side. But in the middle of that mercy seat represented the cross of Calvary Amen. and of Jesus Christ. And he said, there's where I'm going to meet with you. And so that's where they, they came and they sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat. And so man's sin and guilt were washed away and the curse of the law was made ineffectual. And so, folks, the mercy seat, and I'll say this so you can put it in your notes, foreshadows Jesus Christ for us. He is our mercy, mercy seat. seat. So put it down. Jesus right. is my right. mercy seat. And He stands forever between a holy God and a sinful man. Right. Without the mercy seat, what do you have? You lift off the lid to the Ark of the Covenant. Now get a picture of this for a second. You've got this, this, this Ark of the Covenant that, that stretches out three and a half, four feet. And inside of it, you've got the book of the law. Right. Now, was man ever able to stand by the law? No. What is Romans is going to no. tell? We'll study Romans. It says that the, the carnal man is not subject to the law, neither can he be. Right. But if we measure ourselves against the law of God, we're going to fail. Right. Also in there was Aaron's rod that budded. 
representing the authority of God. Is there any authority that we have that can compare no. to the authority of God? We're going to fall short. The third thing that was in there is the golden bowl of manna, which represented Christ, the bread of life. Are, are any of us worthy to be called the bread of life? No. And so, folks, without the mercy seat, we're exposed to all those things that we can never measure up to. Wow. Now, think about that for a minute. Whether it's the Word of God, whether it's the, the law of God, whether it's the, the authority of God, any of those things, that if we've got to measure ourselves against those through, wow. through, the, through our own self-righteousness, yeah, we're going to be like filthy rags, and we're going to be declared guilty, and the penalty of that guilt is going to be dead. Yes. But God has placed upon that place a mercy seat where blood is going to be sprinkled. And so when He tells us, He says, when He set forth a propitiation, we can't just pass that by. Right. I mean, we've got to grab a hold of the, the imagery and the, the language of what He's talking about because when He said propitiation to this audience that was, that was made up of a, a group of Jews, they immediately knew what He was talking about. You're, you're saying He has become our mercy seat? You're saying He's become our atonement? Wow. He's become the, 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 the one that stands before us? He's become the, the, the place where the blood is now being sprinkled? And so He stands at that place, and just as, as, as the, the sins of that nation of Israel were turned, atoned for by the sprinkling of the blood on the mercy seat, so also Christ, by the shedding of His own blood, atoned for the sins of the entire world. Now, here's some scriptures for you. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 says there is one God. How many? One God. But there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified of in due time. Amen. And so that one place of mediation, that place that allows us to meet with God, is Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. The yeah. only way that you can meet with God is through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. First John 2.2 and it says, He Himself, here's that word again, is the propitiation for our sins. He's the place of atonement. He is the, the mercy seat. And not only for ours only, but also for the whole world. So anybody who would have faith in right. Him, He has been it for them. He has sprinkled Himself once and for all, for all. And so Luke 22.20, Luke 22.20. Likewise, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And so when he introduced the, 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 the communion table, and he said, do often in remembrance of me, right. he was bringing them back to remembrance of that propitiation, of that mercy seat, of the time that, they, that the high priest was going to the, to the, to the temple. And, 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 verse, and then Ephesians 2.13, Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, who, who once were far off and have now been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. Amen. Ephesians 2.13, now, now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. And so he has become that place where we tabernacle. I, I say that because I want to I digress just a little bit back into what we were talking about. All these things that, you know, that, that they, they were, you know, I'm sure that they were somewhat at least sincere in Isaiah chapter 1. Where he says, you know, you come and meet and all these things. But the, the fact of the matter is, they were sincerely wrong in their heart and motivation. But, but folks, listen. Here in the city of Daytona Beach, New Orleans, Louisiana, we lived in Amarillo, Texas, and various places around the country, you too, know that there are places that are quote-unquote houses of worship on, on most street corners. Right. Period. Just because, let me go on record in saying this, and I, and I hate that I have to say this all the time, but I've, I've really got to say this because of the day and age in which we live. Just because a, a, a building has a sign on it that says church, or it has a 
a timetable out front that says at 10 o'clock that, that we're going to have a worship service does not mean that that place is a place where folks are going to convene with God. Right. Period. A sign on a door right. does not make a tabernacle of meeting. Can I say it again? Yes. Uh, uh, several padded pews laid in a line do not make a tabernacle of meeting. Right. Choir robes in a, in, a, in, a, in a wooden lectern do not make a tabernacle of meeting. Uh, three songs out of a hymn book in, in an uh, in a, in a, in a introductory prayer do not make a tabernacle of meeting. A poem, a funny skit, and three points, and a benediction do not make a tabernacle of meeting. Do I need to go on? Do you understand what I'm talking about? What makes a tabernacle of meeting is faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I don't care if you're sitting at a kitchen table like we are here at Studio B and Raven Ministries. I don't care if it's you in a prayer closet seeking the face of God, putting faith in Him, standing on a street corner, joining hands with brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. The place of meeting with God is, it is a place of faith in the blood of Jesus Amen. and a dependence upon Him. It's, it's, it's not in much prayers. It, it, it's not in, 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 in convocations. It's not in evil assemblies. No. It's in coming and humbling ourselves and yes. saying that there is one mediator between yes. God and man and that is the man Christ Jesus. Yes, yes. It's putting faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus and that is the assembling together that Hebrews talks about. Don't forsake the assembling no. of yourself together which is the custom of some. Right. But all the more drawn near. Draw near to what? Draw near to a building? Draw near to God. Yes. Draw near to Him. Yes. Why, why, why you can draw near unto Him. And so the, the assembling of the saints together is the assembling under the, 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 the voice of truth and the word of faith and the, and the word of God and faith in the shed blood of Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the assembling of the saints together is what that is. Not filling the stadium, not filling the church house, yeah. not, not filling yeah. the lectern hall. Yeah. That is the assembly that God desires and wants from His people. Now, right. can you do it in those places? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but those things do not make assembling together with the Holy Spirit. What makes that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and tabernacling with Him. Do you not know that your body is the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost? Yeah. We are the source or the, the place that He desires to tabernacle in through faith. Amen. And he's not he's not he hasn't chosen anything else. Right. There was a there was a universe in which to inhabit, but he had chose to inhabit his people through faith in the blood yes. of Jesus Christ. Yes. And so first Peter one eighteen and nineteen says this knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. And so your your your, your redemption is not in those 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 things like that. He said you're not uh, uh, redeemed from corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. Yeah. Now, what have some of those traditions been? And this is First Peter one eighteen and nineteen, mind you. Yeah. Those traditions have been these these mindless and endless convocations and all these things that we think that, that God is honored in. Man, those things do not honor God. We yeah. talked about yesterday that uh, what he said here in First uh, uh, Isaiah chapter one. That, that, that we've got to seek justice and courage to oppress, defend the, the cause of the fatherless. That pure religion undefiled before God yeah. is to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction right. and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Right. Now, what does it mean to keep yourself unspotted from the world? You have to be part of the world. Not, in, in what way? Not to think, not to do, not to act, not to uh, partake, not to not preach the gospel. Uh, now let me let me throw let me throw another scripture out there. 
in conjunction with that one, then I'll re-ask the question. Okay. Romans, since we're in the book of Romans, I'll draw you one from Romans 12.2. Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you know what the good and perfect and acceptable will of God is. And so if I keep myself unspotted from the world, what am I doing? I'm not, not transforming to the image of the world. I'm not imitating the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm not lining up with the way that the world thinks I ought to do things. Right. If, if the world is saying, okay, we've got to create this... this this corporate type of structure to do. Listen, I, I, I serve. I don't serve under democracy. I, I, I serve under a theocracy. Mm. I serve under one living God who above Him there is none else. Right. That He sits on the throne in glory, and He's not scooting over for because of my opinion or because we convene some type of group and we say, right. God, listen, I, I, we, we got we got a few, few changes that are going to be made in the kingdom. Huh? Uh-uh. No. We serve under a God who is not asking for my opinion. Right. He's not asking for us to cast a vote. That His word is what it is. Yes. Heaven and earth will pass away, and His word will not fail. Won't do Amen. me any good to shake my fist at heaven and say, God, why, why, why? Because I, I need to say, God, why not uh, uh, allow me to go through the fire? God, put those things upon me that you think are going to purge me of those things because I know that I was not redeemed with corruptible things yes. like silver and gold uh, for my aimless conduct that was received from the traditions of yes. men. But Lord God, I was born again by the Spirit of God. Come and on. if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. Old things, old traditions, old bondages yes. are passed away. Behold, all things are become. Amen. And so I've got a new way of talking, a new way of walking, a new way of thinking, a yes. new way of preaching, a new way of living, and a new way of coming and convening and tabernacling with Him through the blood like of His Son. That's Jesus. what you say about the gold and silver, because that's what—that's the best that the world had to offer. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the best that the world had to offer is is, is money. Say, well, what is value at the best thing the world can offer is this. And it wasn't good enough. And so you think of how many people try to do that still think that they could be bought off so to speak right and look at the message what's happened with so much in the modern church and, and really it shoots across denominations is, is, is such a, a, a money gospel mm-hmm. you know you do this and God's going to give you silver and gold yeah. well yeah is money necessary for ministry absolutely what we do takes lots <laughs> of finances yes. but we're not doing it to, 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 to drive a Cadillac or a Mercedes Benz all you have to do is go out into the driveway and you'll see what we drive you know <laughs> definitely I, I, don't, I, I don't think you could take all of our cars together and equal the price of one Mercedes Benz <laughs> but they get us to where we're going yeah. and so it's, it's kind of like when, when, when Peter came to the gate called Beautiful and found a man begging alms the, the man was begging and Peter said what? Yeah. Silver and gold yeah. have I none. Yeah. But such as I have, I give unto thee, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. What was he giving him? He, he, was, he was bringing him to the tabernacle of meeting. Amen. Now think about that. He was having church right there. He was convening with the Holy Ghost. Because if, he's, if that guy's going to be healed, it's not going to be healed because Peter was such a cool guy. No. It's not going to be because Peter had, had some uh, special power in his shadow apart from the Spirit of God. No, what Peter represented was someone that convened with God. And so he was packing the power of the Holy Ghost that was promised in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Come on. And so he came and he said, Listen, I don't have any silver and gold. He said, my pockets are empty. But he said, you know what? I have tabernacled with Jesus. Yes. That I sat under his teaching for about three and a half years. And at the end of his, his, his ascension into heaven, I, I, I tabernacled in his presence in unity for about ten days in an upper room. Come then on. boom, something happened. And the Holy Ghost wasn't just with me anymore, but on a daily basis, Uh-oh. he was tabernacled on. on the inside of me. Yes. And there's a spirit in me that is powerful. And he said, yeah, I'll give you what I got. 
And that's a place of tabernacling in a, in, a, in, a, in a place of coming smack dab in the middle of the mercy seat of God because you don't deserve to be healed. But God loves you enough that He's brought us by today to speak that word of healing. He sent His word to heal you and to restore you. And so that's really what it came down to. Now Hebrews 9, verses 11-12. It says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. Not made with hands. So think about that for a minute. Now, brother, we can go and we can invest in a $20 million structure, yeah. but it's never going to be his tabernacle. No. Okay, we're always his tabernacle. It's still going to just be a structure where we as tabernacles meet. That is not a creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having attained eternal redemption, and then uh, 9.28 says this, Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. What were you going to say? I was going to say that so many people, uh, I, I, I guess it bothers me that they think that the building is the tabernacle because of what it produces. What it produces in people is the fact that they will not sin when they're in the building, so to speak, because it's the holy place. Right. And they won't, they, they won't, you know, they won't smoke, they won't drink, they won't cuss up their wife, they won't beat their wife, or whatever, because we're in the holy place. But as soon as they're out of the building, they can smoke, drink, cuss, beat their wife, or whatever, because guess what? They're not in church anymore. Instead of realizing that they are the church, right. and they're tabernacling, tabernacling with God wherever they go. So whether they're at the beach, or in a car, or at home, Man, they're the, they're the representative Absolutely. of the church. So I, 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 it bothers me that it produces that in people. And it produces the, uh, uh, I guess it's the lukewarm, or maybe not even salvation in people. You know what I'm saying? It's they just go there, do their religious thing. I'm good because I'm in the tabernacle. It's the holy place of God. i got to act right here. But as soon as I'm out, I can act anywhere. Well, what, what it comes down to is those, those evil assemblies. It comes down to those meaningless offerings. Yeah. You see, guys, that's the thing. Uh, Buildings, nothing inherently evil about buildings, no. no more than there's anything inherently evil about money. You know, period. Right. Those things are inanimate objects. But what makes things evil is the, the focus upon them things and the idolatry that right. we bring into those things. Right. You know, once, and I, I've said this before, and I think it, it bears repeating this morning, once church became a destination rather than a destiny, right. it became idolatry. Right. Do I need to say it again? Yeah, say it again. Once church became a destination rather than a destiny, it became idolatry. Mm -hmm. And so church is not where we go, it's who we are. Yes. And so once it became something made with hands, the, the warning that he gives us here in Hebrews, the warning he gave us in Isaiah, it, it becomes an idolatrous, idolatrous situation because then we begin to worship it. We say, you know what, here's the house of God. You know, there's no building that's the house of God. Right. Other than these buildings right here. It's not coming back for a building, is it? No, those buildings are going to burn up and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Whether that, that element is brick and mortar or, or, or wood and slats or shingles or whatever it is, those things are going to melt and they're going to melt with a fervent heat along with all the rest of the elements. We're the only thing that are preserved. We being the dwelling place or the place that God will tabernacle with us. I think it's funny. I said this the other day about, about this subject and I was thinking... You know, Jesus is coming back for a, a bride without spot or blemish. And if that was a building, there's a lot of churches in the ghetto that ain't going, bro. Because they tore up from the floor up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And people have that type of mentality. Right. You know, he's not, you know, he's, he, 
you know, this is the house of God. And I always say, which one is the house of God? Because that's the place I want to go. Is it this church or is it that building down the corner? Or maybe it's that Baptist church. Or, which one is it? Because that's where we all need to go. Right. You know, instead of, it, and I thought that's just in myself. I started laughing because I was thinking, Jesus is not coming back for a building. You know, there's a lot right. of churches that ain't got, you know, that got broken windows. Cause, you know, we had one in that little Texas. Sure. <laughs> And, you know, but it, but once again, guys, it's not even about those things. It's no. about having that that place of, of of meeting and convening with Him, not our own man-made convocation, folks. To really to understand this this propitiation or the complete work of the cross of Christ, who is our mercy seat? That's what we've thrown out. He's He's the mercy. He's that place. Really, what we've got to do to get a thorough understanding is to to back up a little bit. You know, and I, I gave a picture once about the the picture of the tabernacle. It's it's. It's three places. Right. And what it is, it's the outer court. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. The, then there's an inner building that actually has two compartments. The first compartment is the holy place. Mm-hmm. Then inside of that is the holy of holies. Right. And so it's that place that only the, the high priest can come back in. So the mercy seat is in that, the, 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 that, the last place, that, that last vestibule right there. It's there inside the holy holies. But to really understand that whole process, let's back out just a little bit. Okay, now if we back out just a few steps and we back out through the veil, we're standing in the, in the holy place. Not the holy of holies, but the holy place. Right. Now let's back out a little bit further. Now we find ourselves in, in, the, in the outer court. In, in, in this outer court, we'll see a, a bronze laver. We'll see a, right. a, 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 the, the, bra- the brazen altar. Well, let's step out just a little bit more. and Let's go all the way outside of this thing, which was a picture of the cross. And what we find is the, the entrance gate. And so when the Word says that He's become a propitiation, we need to talk about, if we're going to talk about the cross, how do we enter into that place? Right. You know, the, the Word tells us in Matthew 7, enter in the straight gate. Mm-hmm. And so, to His hearers here in Romans 3.25, He's providing such a vivid picture, not just of that, that mercy seat or that, that final act of atonement, but see, folks, there's a, there's, a, there's a process even to that that you cannot overlook. And you know, sometimes we see people, in, and I think sometimes street ministers are, 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 are notorious for this, that they're going, after a, uh, they're going after a decision. Folks, we're not after a decision on the streets. We're not after somebody just praying a prayer. A, a, a simple prayer, as we saw right here. You're, you're, what did he say? He said, you're, he said, even though you pray all these many prayers, he said, I'm not going to listen. And so somebody can, can pray the Roman road to salvation. Uh, yeah, I, I, I believe in my heart that God raised me from the dead and Jesus Christ is Lord and please forgive me my sins and, and not be no more saved than a Thanksgiving goose. Right. That, that's, that, that much prayer is not going to save you. It's got to be that place of faith and repentance and the conviction of sin. Right. And so you're not aiming, quote unquote, for a, uh, for a, for a decision. You're, you're, you're trying to bring people to a place of repentance that their life can be changed. Yeah. And so, so many times we want to rush people to the mercy seat. But there's a preparation in what we're going to find out. And here's what I want you to see, and I think it's really going to help in your own uh, walk with the Lord Jesus, and it's certainly I think it's going to help with your, your preaching of the gospel to the lost, when you understand what in, what's involved in this propitiation process and what salvation demands. And the reason the gate became so wide is because... In, in the church, we've taken down the outer court and the holy place, mm-hmm. and we want to throw people right into the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. And folks, what has it produced? It's produced this wide gate gospel, and it's produced instant backsliders. Wow. And so we're rushing them in. And what you're going to find in, in, in the rest of this teaching on that, that, that subject out of Romans 3.25 on the propitiation is that the priest didn't just rush in there. There was a preparation that had to go forward. Right. And the cross 
was, was that thing that stood in the way, that stood in that place. And we're going to see that this morning. Exodus 27, 16. And so, before you get into the tabernacle, there's an entrance gate. Entrance gate. Okay. Now, folks, we know what Matthew 7... I'll just, let me just flick back there real quick in my Bible. I want to read something to you that I think... I'm, I'm going to... You know, sometimes we kind of think, oh, man, we've been on this verse a while. But uh, I'm going I'm to take the time because this is so important. I think this is going to be important in regards to your, your salvation. I think it's going to be in uh, regards to kind of seeing what the church has become and, and recognizing, really recognizing false doctrine. Okay. Because what, the, what we tried to do is offer a covenant without a cross. Right. Folks, there is no covenant with Christ apart from a cross. Right. And so what, what we've done is we've, we've taken all the requirements of the blood of Jesus out of the way. And we said, well, just come on up and just grab a hold of the horns of the altar and you're good to go. Right. Come and get into the glory of God. And so the, the church has had all these glory meetings and all these times we say, yeah, we're just getting together we're going to get the glory of the Lord. Folks, there's no glory without the cross of Calvary. There's no glory without the blood of Jesus. And so what you're going to see in this, and so here's what he said. Uh, let, me, let me jump down just a little bit. Verse 13. He said, Enter in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that go thereat. This is Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Because straight is the gate, what is it? Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Now, I said this the other day, and it bears repeating as well, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a whosoever will gospel. It was a gospel designed that who would ever come in faith, believing, would receive. Right. But it was not a gospel designed to appeal to everyone. Right. Period. We, that's why the Word talks about hell is ever enlarging itself. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a gate that tears down, it's not a, it's not a way that tears down uh, all the walls. It's the thing that says, whosoever will come, you can come. Right. But there is a narrow way that leads to it. And that's going to bring us right here. And it says in, in uh, Exodus chapter 27, verse 16, he says, For the gate of the court there shall be a screen twenty cubits long, woven of blue and purple, scarlet thread, fine woven linen, made by a weaver, and it shall have four pillars and four sockets. And so, folks, there was a thirty-foot gate that served as the entrance to the tabernacle. And, and once an Israelite entered that gate into the outer court with his sacrifice, literally he was standing on holy ground. So here's, here's the gate. Once he entered, instantaneously the place that he was was a place of holy ground. Okay. And so what we're going to find as we examine this gate, it's important to note that, there's, that, that we'll be discussing there's, there's two more gates or curtains later that are going to be after this. And so there's a, there's a gate to enter it. Then after that gate, there's going to be two more gates. And there's a curtain over the gate as well? There's a curtain over the gate. Okay. Every, every gate, there's going to be a veil. There's going to be a curtain. And what's important about that, Jesus talked about the veil, that is, was his flesh. Mm -hmm. And so when the veil was rent twain at the crucifixion from top to bottom, it was typifying the, the flesh. Not only his flesh, but ours as well. And so we see those things. You've got to get past the flesh to enter into the holy place. Do I need to say that again? You've got to move past the veil, which is the flesh, to go to the, the holy place. Even when I move into that outer court, there's another veil that's waiting for me that, that separates the outer court into the holy place. I've got to get past the veil of that flesh. Then before I can go out of the holy place into the holy of holies, there's still yet another veil, the one that's called the veil. And I've, I've got to get past the veil that is my flesh to get to those places. Folks, you know what that is? 
That's what we talked about a few lessons ago, the subject of repentance. Repentance Repentance is always going through another veil. It's always dying to self. It's always uh, denying self, the Galatians 2.20, that I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But it's passing through one veil, I'm passing through another veil, I'm passing through another veil, I'm stepping on holy ground, but He's called me to to go from glory to glory, and I'm passing from that, that glory to that glory. And every time that I do that, it becomes a higher place and a higher dimension of things that God has called me to. Are you, are you seeing it? Yes. Are you getting a, a picture of those things? Amen. And so we see those things. And so the, 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 the entrance gate was, was 20 cubits, about 30 feet. And it was, it was made of this curtain that was richly uh, woven material. But think about this, folks. There was no cherubim at that point. There was no cherubim. There was no cherubim. You know, at the mercy seat, yeah, the there's two these cherubim. two cherubim that, that speak of judgment. Yeah. On that, there was no pictures of cherubim. Even on the, the veil, and we'll talk about this too in a later message, that on the, even on the curtain, there was there was a, a, a woven cherubim on the on the veil, the final cherub uh, thing, because they spoke of the judgment on that. But that first veil, there was there was no judgment. There was no cherubim that was, speaks of the judgment of God. They were only seen within the holy place because judgment was withheld at this point that all may approach the the altar of sacrifice. Mm. It's the same way with the cross, folks. Amen. He's withheld judgment up to that point to allow everyone. everyone. To approach the cross freely. Amen. And so you see, that's that's what propitiation gives us. That's the visual. And that's the, the spiritual application of those things. At the outer place that you have to start at, listen, guys. There's no judgment. There's nothing there. Amen. Now think about this. John five twenty two. John five twenty two. John five. For the Father judgeth no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father to the same degree. He that honors not the Son does not honor the Father which has sent him. That word honor means to revere or to establish as great value. And so he says, God does not judge any man. I'm telling you something, God's not judging man. So when we hear things about, well, did, I wonder if God judged uh, New Orleans because of Hurricane Katrina. John 5.22, God judges no man. Oh, that, that homosexual came down with AIDS. I guess that's God's judgment. Well, God judges no man. So it right. kind of flies in the face of those things, doesn't right. it? Right. But then John 3.16-19, through 19, familiar 3.16, obviously. Right. The rest, maybe not as familiar. But God so loved the world. Right. What was God motivated by? Love. Love. Was he motivated because he wanted to crush everyone for failing? No. What was he motivated by? I love it. Well, he wasn't motivated because he's saying, I'm going to get these guys. I had, they had such a great deal, and I've given them a great chance, and I'm going to smash them. No, God so loved the world, motivated by love, that he gave his only son, that one that we've got to honor. Right. And whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent His Son not into the world to condemn the world, to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. That word condemned is means judged. So God sent his not his son not in the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned or judged, but he that believes on him is condemned already. He's already been judged. Right. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He has not honored that name. Mm-hmm. And this is the condemnation. This is the judgment, folks. Yeah. If you're wondering why uh, we, we see these things that seem like judgment it's because of this light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil judgment comes because we refuse 
to walk into the light. Yes. Judgment comes because we refuse to grab hold of the Word of God. Judgment comes when we do not want to adhere to the, to the holiness and the righteousness and faith in the, in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Right. Judgment is there already. And so judgment came when, when mankind fell in the garden. Right. The only thing that's going to offer a reprieve or become our mercy seat mm. is faith in the Amen. finished work of Jesus Christ. And so when he says, listen, he has set forth you to be a propitiation. Right. Look how much is in that. I mean, you right. talk, there's, there's the depth of it, those things. And so the fact that the, the, the symbol of judgment or the, 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 the cherubim or the mercy seat were not present at the entrance provides that whosoever will come gospel message. There, there's no cherubim. There's no. nothing. Anybody that wants to come to that place. I don't care if you were a drug addict. I don't care if you were a murderer. I don't care if you were a, a, an abuser or a molester. I don't care who you were, if you were a liar or a thief. I don't care if you thought you were good and you were full of pride. Whosoever will come, come, that I am withholding my judgment that you might find a place waiting for you at the foot of the cross of Calvary. And you might find mercy at that place. i got to ask you a question. Go ahead. You, so, is, is it a true statement or not? I'm trying to understand this. The world's already been condemned. So when Jesus came, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world because he didn't need to bring condemnation because the world had already been fallen. The world was already condemned. Already. It was already condemned. So he was saying, look, since you guys are already condemned, I'm not coming to bring condemnation. I'm coming Absolutely to bring you freedom. Not. I'm coming to bring you out of that mess. So that's, that's what he was saying there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so and, and we can look at Matthew 7 and 1 where it says, Judge not, lest you be judged. Right. That, that word is the word condemn. Condemn, if a prisoner has been condemned, what does that mean? It means that he's already sentenced to death. That the verdict has been settled. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing around it. Mm -hmm. And so the world was sentenced to death mm. at, at the fall in the garden. Mm -hmm. And so it had already been said. And so when you go out and you're, you're sharing the, your faith with someone, you're sharing the Word of God, and you're telling them, listen, the way you're living, you're going to hell. Right. Now, you're not judging that person. You're not issuing that final edict. Right. They've already been judged. Right. It's just like walking into a courtroom and, and, and the judge has, has issued a paper and he's handed something to the jury. And, and he says, have you come to a, jury, have you come to a decision? And they say, yes, we have, Your Honor. And he ha they hand the, the verdict to the bailiff. The bailiff hands it to the judge and the judge reads it. And he says, on the count of murder in the first degree, how do you find we, the members of the jury, find the defendant guilty as charged. Right. It's been judged. And so when we, we've been handed, literally, the verdict in the Word of God. Mm. We've been handed this truth right here. And so when we open it up, what happens is, is people don't want to hear that Word. Because light has come into the world. Right. Thy Word is a lamp yeah, unto my feet and a light yeah, unto my path. path. And so they don't want you reading the verdict that has already been given. Wow. If, if uh, those who practice the works of the flesh are evident right. adultery fornication right. lying drunkenness those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom right. the verdict has been read and so they're looking at you say well you don't condemn me listen I'm not doing anything I'm just reading the verdict right. already right. it was the same verdict over you over me over you and ev right. everyone that's right. ever lived the same verdict with death hell and destruction but he came to offer a pardon Amen. He came to offer a propitiation. He came to call, call out not guilty, to, yeah. to be, to, to, to make that, that spiritual executive order and to wipe the slate clean. That's what we have. And that's, that's whosoever, that's the first part of the tabernacle, going to the cross where there Come is on. no... Where he's saying this is where if you come to this first part, if you get past the flesh and you come to this first outer courts, 
What I'm saying is I'm providing a way out. I'm providing a way. I'm providing a, a pardon and a penalty mm. for your sins. Wow. And so, uh, let me find it. So the screen, blue, white, purple, scarlet, it was literally identical to that which hung in the tabernacle building. Really? The, 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 the screen was. It was there. But it was very different uh, from those who were outside. The outside courtyard was a was, was white. It was a, just a, a very... Uh, non-ornate thing but that, that every place that they came was showing the deity of Christ and so when they came through that, that, that veil the veils were, were ornate mm. they, they offered something they, they had the, the, the representation of Christ Jesus they always placed and so it was always the place that would catch the eye it was different so Jesus caught the eye of the Pharisees Jesus Amen. caught the eye of the people when they said never a man spoke like that man yeah. there was something different about him there was something that set him apart Paul, uh, Peter, you know, when, when, when Jesus said, are you going to leave also? Where are we going to go? We have the very words of life. He hold the words of life. There's nowhere for us to go. Right. It, it caught their eye. And so, Amen. this was the only way that, that one gate, that 20 foot wide gate within that complete tabernacle facility was the only way in. That was the only way by which men and women could draw near to God. It, there was a single entrance to the entire tabernacle. Mm. Period. There was no other way in and whether it was a priest that was going to carry out the, the, his duties or a repentant sinner seeking forgiveness, there was no other way in. Right. So everybody had to come in the same gate. There wasn't a back door that there was a waiting limousine right. for the, the super-powered uh, believer or the, 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 oh, the wow. special and guided right. preacher right. back there that he could be ushered in and out. There was one way for everybody. Right. And it was through that one solitary gate that caused you to, to go past that place that meant laying down your flesh. Now think about this, John 10.1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that does not enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Yeah. And folks, if somebody is preaching a gospel uh -oh. that requires anything but a narrow way, they are a thief and they are a robber. They are liars and the truth is not in them. Wow. The gate is narrow. It demands a, 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 a putting off of the flesh to go through that veil that is the flesh it demands a crucifixion of yourself there is no other way it's not going to be bought yeah. with cappuccinos or pizzas or bounce houses it's not any of those things the, the way is narrow the way yeah. that it leads to life and the way is the way of the cross yeah. and, and the word says if you want to be his disciple if you want to come into that place yeah. you've got to deny yourself take up your cross and follow yeah. after him there is no other way around it you can't dilute it you can't drown it out you can't walk water it down. You can't make it easy believism any other way. If yeah. you do, it's trying to climb over the wall and you are a thief and you are a robber. Wow. He's the way. Absolutely. The the life. He's the way, the truth, and the Folks, life. Folks, no one, no one could enter any other way except that gate. Right. Any Israelite approaching the tabernacle leading uh, and, and bringing his sacrifice or desire and atonement knew that there was no way to reach that, that bronze altar which represents the cross right. but through the gate that faced you know which way it faced? Faced east. east. Okay. Faced east which was representing Christ coming representative of Christ when, when Christ came into Jerusalem he came in that, that east gate when, when, when Christ comes again he's going to appear in the eastern, eastern skies Amen. and so it was that same that, that same symbolism used there. Now Numbers 2-3 says on the east side towards the rising of the sun Numbers 2-3 those of the standard of the forces of Judah will camp according to their armies. And so, folks, the gate was always open, never barred. No one was there to forbid a person who wanted to worship God of coming in. 
but one must make a personal decision to enter into that place. And so it was a, it literally a type of Christ. Amen. And so the gate itself, we talked about the mercy seat was wow. a type of Christ, but the gate was a type of Christ. Wow. He was the only way, the only truth, the only life, no way to the Father but by Him. And so when I talk about the, the propitiation right. and the pictures of Christ, he, so He's on the outside, right. He's on the inside. Everything about the gospel message is, is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's right. From the time that you come to salvation, no man can call Christ Lord except the Spirit of God draw them. Uh-huh. That is Christ doing those type of things. And so from, from the second we come to that place, it's Him. Right, it's it's the Spirit itself. Jesus, all by Himself, by the Holy Spirit, will bear witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. Mm-hmm. There, there is there is no way to eliminate Jesus Christ from the equation of salvation. And so when when He was out there, set forth as that propitiation from the from the onset, we see it. So that gate, eastern gate pointed to Him. Every other possible way had been barred from the uh, by the righteousness of God, but because of the blood of Jesus, we have a way of approach. And so, when it said in, Rome, uh, in Numbers 2-3 that the, the encampment was Judah, the tribe of Judah camped outside the eastern gate when they, when they camped in the wilderness. When, they established, when Moses established the tabernacle in the wilderness, the one that was outside the eastern gate was the tribe of Judah. Right. And if you look at that in Numbers and see how they were laid out, the tribes were literally laid out in the form of a cross, mm-hmm. with wow. Judah being at the entrance to the gate. Why is that significant? Because... Jesus came from the line of the tribe of Judah. He was the line of the tribe of Judah. He was that one that, that was, 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 was likened unto a lion, but was called the lamb slain before the foundation wow. of the world. And so at the entry was the line of the tribe of Judah. And so it was the, it was the kingly tribe is what it was. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a tribe that meant praise. Yes. Judah means praise. praise. And so Jesus sets his king with everything under him, and he is that, that Malach Yahweh in the, in the Hebrew. That means the Lord our king. Wow. And so the king is the one that's always there to greet us at that gate. Amen. He's the one that's the one that's able to, to issue that final edict of, 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 of you've been set free, that you can enter in. John 14, 6, Jesus says, we, we read this, you can put this down, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Revelation 5.5 But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold the line of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. There's the, the tribe of Judah. Psalms 22, verses 28-29 through 29. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He rules over the nations. All the, the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before Him. Uh, even He who cannot keep Himself alive. And so everything belongs to the Lord. It's, he's the king over the kingdom. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and besides me there is no God, there's no source, there's no way in, there's no place to go except Christ Jesus. So folks, He is the entryway. Can I ask you another question? I know we're running on time, but but the Holy of Holies, if if Jesus is the representation of, of the entrance of the gate, and he's, Jesus is the way, so there's no way to the Father. Would the, would the Holy of Holies also represent the Father because there's no way to that holy place, no way to that, that area but through Jesus as well? Yeah, or just, just as I said, what happens is, you know, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Right. right. And so, you know, we, 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 he's Elohim. He, he's that, that, that singular plurality. God the Father, God the Son, Son God, God the Holy, holy Ghost. Ghost. Right. But, that, but God had to make a way in and of itself for us to approach. And so He right. did by, by the incarnation, by coming God with us right. and, and paying that penalty. 
And so God the Father was representative of, of that Shekinah glory uh, that was in the holy place. Okay, yeah. And so, but what stood between the glory of the Lord and the high priest when he went in? Was the, the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat. Okay. And so it always stood before between those two things. The mediator. He was the mediator. Okay. He was in between. He was in the middle. That's what mediator yeah. means. Somebody in the middle. And so there's one mediator between God and man. That's right. the man Christ Jesus. And so it's always, there's always got to be something between us and the holiness of God. Mm. Why? Because no flesh will glory mm. in His presence. Okay. And so we've got to be cleansed and be made justified and be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so the glory of God, there's always got to be something between us. It's God here, us here, the cross is here. God here, us here, the, the, the brazen altar, which we'll talk about in the morning wow. here. God here, us here, the mercy seat, which we've been talking about here. Right. There's always that thing that stands between us and Him, and there's always the blood of Jesus upon that thing, whether it was the cross in, in, in the New Covenant or the mercy seat in the Old Covenant that was a shadow of the cross. Yeah. That has got to be the thing that's constantly crying out, not guilty to the Amen. Father. Not guilty, not guilty, not Amen. guilty. Otherwise... Because there's none good, not even one, right. because all of sin had come short of the glory of God, yes. apart from that mediator, of that, that mediation of, the, of Jesus before the Father who's continually making His intercession on us behalf, judgment immediately judgment. comes upon us. Yes. And so if I eliminate the cross, if I eliminate mm. my faith in the finished work of redemption, if I dilute wow. that cross down, immediately all that I'm waiting on is judgment to come right. upon me. Wow. Folks, thank you so much. Like I said, there's so much in yeah. propitiation, wow. and I'm going to take the time to really bring these type of yeah, things yeah. out to you because I believe I believe that when you to understand to understand the cross, what yes. made me understand the cross and everything that involves, and, and and to walk in victory, and not to walk in condemnation, and not to live a life of ups and downs, was getting a grip on this early. Amen. In my Christian walk, of getting, seeing the types of the uh, of, of Christ in the tabernacle and wow. understanding those type of things, because it didn't leave me any leeway. Because at any time, if you see that pattern that He established for them, man, if I walk away from the blood, if I stray, if I try to go in another gateway, immediately judgment comes upon me. Right. And so to 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 avoid judgment. I've always got to fall upon the grace and the mercy of Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. Folks, thank you so, Amen. so much for being with us this morning. Uh, this will be available later on. I encourage you to take it. I've, I've told you many times, take these things. Spend a dollar, 15 cents per uh, CD. You can buy a, a CD and copy those things. 15 cents each for a dollar. You can give them to six friends. Pass this stuff around because I think it's important that, that people uh, get a taste of, of the Word of God yes. and, and really get motivated towards those things. I'm Pastor Torbon, Raven Institute. Pastor Alex Hill. Pastor Thomas Derrick. Pastor, good to have you with us this morning. Amen. And you will be with me the rest of the week, too, before yes. you, you leave to head back to New Orleans. Amen. Guys, God bless you. Have a great day. Get into God's Word. Amen. God's Word will get into you.